Welcome back to the Trifecta Soft Podcast. I'm your host, E-Rock. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, so you never miss another podcast. Also, do me a favor. Go on to whatever podcast app you listen to us on and give us a rating and review. That really helps us rank in the searches. Thank you so much. Let's get into the podcast. Works good. Oh, dude. I didn't have to walk you through step by step how to figure this shit out. Man, it's awesome. Good. I feel like every it's like every other person I talk to is um or maybe it goes maybe on average, I don't know. But uh there's a bunch of people that don't know how to use Discord just in general, but then uh, uh or specifically I guess, and then just in general, they don't know how to uh like they've never hooked up any kind of peripheral to their uh, you know, like used the input output kind of thing, like for gaming or we just no whatever, way. You know? Yeah, I mean, like I, the majority of people I've talked to, really. It, you know what's weird about it is, uh, majority of airsofters are gamers, and they right. don't, and they don't know how to. I'm like, I I don't know. It's I'm not putting them down. I just you know it's just surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know it's funny. So anyway, I appreciate it, man. Of course, you know, I'm glad this this is working because the only thing that I was kind of worried about is my internet. Oh, well, it's really clear right now. So beautiful. Let's, if it goes out, like that. yeah, if it lags, um, if it lags like uh, more than three or four seconds, you know, then um, then we'll just we'll just wait for it to catch up for sure. Yeah. So the one guy in Netherlands, he, uh, his internet was really, really spotty. It was, I think we talked for almost two hours, hour and a half. And, um, I think we had to stop six or seven times because it lagged out so long. There was one time, I think it was like 20 seconds and I was about to click off the call and then it, and then it caught up. Like he, he was able to, so after it happened, like the second time he's like, um, we just knew, okay, just wait. And then we just picked up where we left off where we we're talking. So I try to accommodate a lot of different people with uh, their setup. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Like I don't, it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't, I don't mind editing a little. It's cool. You know, right. it's not a lot. That's what I like about not doing it live. Like so many people ask me to do a live stream and I'm like, no, I've done it two times. <laughs> And one time was okay. Um, the other time is uh, well. There's a couple things. One is the internet thing with the lag. If it you know messes up or if they don't know how to set it up, and so um, we're taking ten minutes, fifteen minutes. The first you know ten minutes, like okay, uh, click on the settings. All right, are you on the? Are you looking at the call? Did you like full screen it? What I don't know what you're looking at. Uh, click on the input. You know, like microphone so that it going live is just bad with this kind of stuff when uh when no one's if that person hasn't been on here already previously you know, right 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 which so. makes sense total complete sense the other thing was the other live one got shut off we're doing youtube live uh because he held up a gun he held up his uh, airsoft gun so <laughs> no way <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> So anyway, welcome, dude. Well, I appreciate you reaching out and uh, putting me on here. I, you know, I feel honored. You know, I've never done a podcast before. You know, I've always thought about it. I just, okay. 
didn't have any where to go for a podcast. Yeah. Then I know you had Anthony on. Yep. Uh, I forgot when a couple of weeks ago or something like that. Yeah. Speaking of the devil, he just texted me. Did he? <laughs> yeah, he just texted me about just NSL rule stuff because uh, we're practicing. We've been practicing for this NSL um, tournament coming up at the end of February, and you know we've just been trying to get these rules in our heads so like we minimize the amount of penalties that we you know that we yeah. ever should like not get, but. Right. These this last tournament, I don't know if you watched the Shot Zone Indiana tournament. There I were did. so many penalties, administrative penalties, no calls, just like yeah. technicals that people just weren't aware of, just from just not doing their research beforehand or not being able to practice beforehand. Practice, which we See, just want to, yeah, not to do that. Like running drills on it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've been doing. Yeah, because since it's like December now. Right. That's what he was saying when I talked to him. It's uh, and you could really tell, like you know what you were talking about with uh, watching it over the weekend. You could tell that a lot of people they you know they studied the rules, but put it into practice. Like it was such a fast pace between rounds and between teams. You could like there was a I think more than once where um one of the teams had an extra player like too many people on the field, uh, like or none at all or none at all or, or none. <laughs> I remember like watching the very first day, just day one, and it was Bloodline, I'm pretty sure, against PBZ. PBZ were all lined up at the wall. It was like second, their second try. PBZ lined up at the wall, and then Bloodline was nowhere to be seen. And then when the round started, uh, PBZ was just shooting at nothing. Yeah. It just went to, it just went to show that, you know, the awareness, of just like situational, like game awareness wasn't even there. They were just shooting at a whole bunch of nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's fast-paced, man, like really quick. Like they're on the next round, like their timer goes, and it and it starts. You have yeah. to be coordinated, and you have to be calm, you have to be collected the whole yeah. time. You can't be heated, you can't be distracted, you can't be, you know, out in la-la land the whole tournament. You have to be in the game 100% of the time. Or you're going to, or you're just going to fail and fail to be ready to get on the field in time for the game to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I wonder, uh, now, have you guys played, uh, like, uh, well, yeah, you guys have played SpeedQB. Right. Hosted by SpeedQB. Um, mm-hmm. And then, have you played the CSL ones as well? We have not had any CSL experience. Okay. We, CSL, I get, what is this, the first year CSL is, um, well, since last year. Well, a couple yeah. of years DSL has been in the game, but um, Tampa will be the um, it'll be the first event in Tampa since oh, right. CIA is open. The Guava Major in um in August. Okay, but for yeah, my he team, never, he never hosted yeah. one down there. That's right. Yeah, no, because CIA's has only been open for you know nine months, going on ten months now. Right. So very very new. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit about myself is that before the whole CIA stuff, I was playing Airsoft. I played Airsoft for, been playing for 10 years, you know, 11 years now. And I started playing competitively in 2018. And just for reference, I'm 21. Yeah. Just so in 2018, SpeedQB hit Atlanta for the first time. I'm from Georgia. So 
me and some boys at my home field, All-Star Airsoft, closed now. It's just closed. Lost wow. a lease in the building. Tragic. Formed a team, just a group of friends, you know, for shits and giggles. And then we went up to SS for the very first time, played a couple games. Next weekend was a tournament. Win the tournament. And it wasn't even a speed QB field that you see now. Yeah. The first tournament, like the first speed QB tournament in Georgia on the East Coast was literally like there was a tank in the middle, <laughs> just a bunch of barrels everywhere, some houses on the left side, some boxes over here on the right side. It wasn't a, your traditional speed QB field that you see now. Yeah. So it was very interesting to play on. You know, it was not a whole turnout. It was like four or five teams, but the team that I played for was Ned. And when we won our very first tournament, that kind of solidified, you know, the team that we had. We were like, okay, we're let's keep doing this. Let's keep winning these events. Second event, they actually had a CQB field, well, CQB field built on their CQB field. Hmm. And which looks like your traditional one today. We got third. And then after the third, we got another first, and we got another first, and then a first. And then they switched the format to round robin. It wasn't bracket style anymore. So you had your little group stages and whatnot. So they just kept doing just round robin tournaments. Yeah. All the way up until like regional championship, which LTD, are you familiar with LTD Airsoft? So LTD heard of them, came man. and played at our regionals, and we we played them... You know, and we play second behind them. Damn. We were like, if we're going to lose to any team, it would be LTD because we took that as a learning experience. Wow. We had a lot of respect for them. So that's uh, okay. So you guys weren't messing around, bro. So you no. you guys aren't like an amateur team. Like you, you were beating some pretty decent teams. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Skirmish, the future of airsoft gameplay management. Are you ready to take Airsoft to the next level? Skirmish's innovative gameplay solution keeps players and spectators engaged with real-time updates. Capture objectives, detonate targets, medic, and more at Skirmish-enabled fields. Skirmish tracks every action so you don't have to. Review past games, action by action, and follow your progress in national rankings. Phones are not required. If you want to find out more, head to skirmish.net. And check out episode 157 of this podcast where I talk with the owner of Skirmish about how it started and how it works. Stay connected, my friends. We had our our rival team at SS because that's where it was all based out of, SS Airsoft. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Psi, Psi Kappa Airsoft. That was like our sister team, you know, like brotherly rivals. Like we were all friends with each other. You know, we was always going back and forth, back and forth, and that was always who we wanted to beat. We wanted to beat each other. We didn't care yeah. about anybody else. And then it got into like some like sponsor drama, and then it kind of got like snakeish. Some stuff happened here, some like drama stuff that I just I don't like. Yeah. And which kind of was hurting the community a little bit. And fast forward a few years later, I got um, we went to California. We went to California in 2018 to play in the Nationals. Whoa. Our first game, we beat this team, and it was it was great. Winning that first game in California in front of like hundreds of people 
was a crazy feeling. Yeah. And then the next game, we played like some really good teams. Like the skill gap between East Coast and West Coast individuals at that time was like, like that. A lot. It was That's huge. It was a big skill gap. Yeah. We weren't prepared. We were just playing, you know, like kids, or like kind of our age. You know, our age group. We had my buddy's dad, so he was like the oldest, like thirty-five, and then us. We were like sixteen, seventeen. Then we had like some eighteen-year-olds in here. And it's just a different style of play. Yeah. So we lost, and then we lost again. But we stayed, and we, we kind of learned and watched, you know, the SYG um, LTD game, which I actually recorded on my DSLR, which nice. I still have to this day. Very yeah. good game. A lot of stuff to break down in that one. And I just I just love watching that game over and over again because there's so much to break down and so much that happened to um, when SYG won. Mm. And after that, another season went by. We acquired a bunch of sponsors, sponsored by Gateway, SS, Die, Polar Star was our biggest one. We nice. actually got sponsored by Polar Star. That's cool. We got some engines, some prototype regulators. I still run my engine to this day. Still have nice. my regulator to this day. Very good. We went to California again. We had an okay season, our next season. We had an okay season. We lost here and there. You know, we can't win them all, right? Right. Because nobody's perfect. We went to Cali again, and we played this team called Legion from Europe. Mm. So the European team came to and won for the 2019 championship. And the first round was called prematurely because they were cheating. Penalty. They stopped the game. Penalty. We were like, okay, they got a penalty in the first 30 seconds. Okay, we're cooling, we're cooling. Second game, penalty again. We're like, are we just going to get a freebie against <laughs> Legion? Third game, they ended up beating. They, you know, wiped us out and then, you know, hung the flag. Third game, cheating. So, like, so four rounds, three of them were called prematurely to no calls, and they ended up winning the game. And we were like, how? How? We were very confused on that. Yeah. But we didn't let it like bug us too much. And then the next game, we played against Official. They beat us by a very small margin. And we were like, okay, Hollywood. But Legion ended up getting disqualified from the tournament. <sighs> they had so many no-call penalties on themselves that they got disqualified from the tournament. Good it was insane. Lord. Yeah, that's crazy that they would, uh, uh, how they would even win. At exactly. All. <laughs> like that's just like the flaw when you know Roy and them were developing the point system and how they were just trying to gotcha. get it down and it, they were right. still in like this development, like trying to try new stuff. Mm. It was all trying new things because mm-hmm. they went from a three, the three round format, to a best three out of four. Best two out of three to best three out of four. Gotcha. And then now it's just like you play three games no matter what, mm. and then the points will accumulate out three games. The, the team Throughout with the highest the amount of points wins. Right. Even if you get you know, the max amount of points for the first two and the other team doesn't score at all, you're still going to play that third game. So then you have to like you know choose how you play that as you, as you wish. Now with the points like that, with those things, uh, do you – um, do you carry those points with you? 
No. After that tournament? Oh, okay. It no. stops at that so tournament. So that's, okay. yeah, that, that round. Okay. Well, that game. Yeah. So as soon as you pile up all those points, if you have a, all more points than the other team, you win that game, then you just move on to the next one. Zero, zero. Gotcha. Stack them up. Stack them up. Aren't they doing that now? I've heard of that. The uh, carrying points over, like, uh, doesn't CSL or something, or uh, NSL does it, right? You carry the points throughout the uh, whole season for NSL tournaments because... Seeding points. Heard... You carry season po- seeding points. Oh, okay. That's different You get seeding points, points for the tournaments, yes. Oh. Gotcha. I mean, you're going to have your, your point differential for each team, but as far as, like, win percentages, that's what you're looking for. How many games that you've won. You want to aim for that, you know, okay. 100% win total to get the top seed, which is right. 300 points. Then it goes 200, then 100, then like 50, 50, 25, 25, all the way down to zero or 15 seeding points because there's 15 teams that play in um, an event. Okay. But uh, 2020, after the California, this our second one, we decided to kind of like call it quits as a team. A lot of us had different stuff to do. You know, I was graduating high school in 20... I graduated high school in 2020. Mm -hmm. So I was coming down here to Tampa to pursue marine science, which I'm currently doing now. Doing really well. Third year in college. Staying strong. Uh, My buddy Nate, he got married. Congratulations to him. My buddy Zion, he actually still plays... He plays for us now, but he lives in Georgia. He has a son that he loves very much. Cute kid. Um, and then Colin. He doesn't play with us anymore. He's pursuing professional real steel shooting. Trained under Ben Stoger. He's a really good shooter. Damn. And um, Wes. He just lost, you know, passion for the game because of all the, you know, cheating and drama that went on. Which, yeah. you know, sad stuff. So then I pursued college, you know, for two years down here. Well, in 2020, I played a couple, like, tournaments. Because I didn't want to, you know, stop playing. Before coming down to Tampa, I played in a few tournaments. And, you know, some teams that picked me up were generous to pick me up. You know, I won a 3v3 tournament up there at SS. I got a little... uh golden toilet trophy that's uh, that signifies that i'm the shit you know nice it was nice nice little toilet trophy and um after that there was a couple more tournaments but the last tournament that i played up there i got picked up by some random team don't remember their name but it was a bunch of people that i've met over the years of playing up there right so they're like okay you don't have a team come play for us so like okay so i come play and we play the Psy Airsoft team because they're still a team at this point. And one of their guys decides to run up on me after I shoot him. Like all of their guys start to rush rush us. And I'm in the back. Shoot one guy in the back. Shoot another guy as he's running up to my left. And then I switch back to my right side. And I shoot this guy in his chest. He doesn't call it. I shoot him three times in the chest. His gun is down. He's running high capo. His gun is yeah. down. Shoot him three times. Then I switch back to the left side to see if anybody's coming. And then he just runs up and mag dumps my neck. Holy Point shit. Point blank. And then I'm just like, 
I'm screaming at him like, "You're out! You're out! You're out!" And his play—he's wearing like a little chest rig, like a little mm. thing where he carries his handgun mags up at the top. I mean, I guess he could not have felt it at that point. I mean, it was just—I aim center mass. Yeah. But his gun was down, and I shot three times. You know, you got to be in all three hit. You got to be mindful of that. You know, one or one, you like may not have felt it, it or heard it. Because right. sometimes you won't hear it nor feel it. Mm. You know, I was a culprit of that a couple of days ago with my one of the Jack. I was just messing around with one of my buddies, and he shot me up close, and he, I didn't feel it or hear it. It was weird. Hmm. And the refs kicked me off the field after that. Oh, shit. And then I was banned from the establishment. Oh, because shit. Because I posted, I posted the, vid, the video clip. With a disclaimer that it wasn't like to bash the field or the staff or the owner. This was to show that crazy moment the and that something, the person that dumped me in my neck, it was driven by something other than the game. It was like he hated me or something. Like, mm. if you, what did I do to you? I did nothing. Yeah. Right. Like him and I used to be like friends. Oh, I mean, you yeah. guys have history. Yeah. Like oh, okay. this, this was no random stranger. This we we had his. We've known each other for you know a little over a year at this point. Yeah, there was no malice nor hate, and oh, he just weird. did that just out of like malicious intent. It felt like because he put seven or eight in my neck. That's weird. I know. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then no, like it, the the ironic thing about that tournament was that when the people that saw that on the sidelines said that they were not going to play that team anymore. They weren't going to play Cy anymore, that tournament. So then, you know, the manager that was there was forced to ask them to leave. And then the manager, after explaining the situation, I was never swearing at anybody. I was never threatening anybody. Right. Like in the video, I never said a swear word. I was, like, not threatening or anything. I was just confused on why that just happened and why it was allowed to happen. Right. When we were given specific instructions not to overshoot at the beginning of the tournament, not to overshoot. Overshooting results in expulsion and, you know, to call our hits. It just it was weird. Huh. It was weird to me. A lot of shady behind the scenes stuff went on behind at that store, that facility. Okay. You know, I'm kinda glad it all happened for a reason. And now I ended up at CIA. Yeah. The Anthony, the guy that you spoke to recently, mm-hmm. he met me freshman year on campus. It was ironic. Yeah. He met me on campus. He has a YouTube nice. channel of his own. He does airsoft YouTube and stuff. And I was wearing my Speaky Bee backpack outside in class because my mom got it for me for Christmas and I didn't have anywhere to play with it. So it's like it's expensive. So I'm going to use it. Yeah. So. He hits me up through his freaking girlfriend. I'm just like, what? Because <laughs> girl, this girl is texting me. He's like, do you play airsoft? I'm like, what kind of fucking question is that? This yeah, woman is random, at, right? out of the blue. She No hey, no hi. It's just, do you play airsoft? No what hey, uh, I'm you know, Anthony's <laughs> no, girlfriend. We, like he saw your backpack. Give it some backstory here. Like, nothing. <laughs> nothing. So I was like, yeah, I play. And she's like, oh. And then after... I was like, yeah, with like a question mark. She was like, okay, so my boyfriend, he plays too, and he saw your backpack, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, run me his information. He's got his information. We talked here, there, blah, blah, blah. 
Then we met up for a little bit, chat, and then we just went about our business. And then, you know, we kept touch base every now and then, but there was nothing going on. And this was in 2020. Gotcha. Fast forward two years later, you know, I'd go back to Georgia and play at this field called Gold Eagle every once in a while with my boys in the okay. mall. You heard of that location where it's like the airsoft field in the mall? I have. It was yeah. it's like that. So Gold Eagle was that. So we played at Gold Eagle every now and then. The guys up there, manager up there, really cool guys. Really nice field. All wooded floors, polished wooded floors. Pretty cool. And uh, yeah, Anthony finds me in the gym at like April in 2022. And he's like, yo, like there's some big stuff happening in like this airsoft right now here in Tampa. And these people are building this warehouse and they want to talk to you. And I was like, whoa. It's like, <laughs> okay. So like we arranged a date to meet. So I met, so I went up and met the owners. I met Mikey and I met Chris Garrett. So there's three owners of CI, if you didn't know. So Garrett was sick of the time. So I met Mikey cool down to earth has vision all of them had vision but i met mikey first and he showed me the warehouse it was empty yeah all they had was just the shop the shop portion was built gotcha but as soon as you left the shop it was just empty warehouse Mm -hmm. and it's divided into two things so you have one part of the warehouse and you have the back end of the warehouse and then we just discussed you know, just what the vision was and what we wanted to do and told him my background a little bit. Garrett actually knew me through Instagram. He said he'd been following my Instagram for over a year. Yeah. Excuse me. And I was like, holy cow, like it's a small world. Because and it it just in my head after two years of not playing a game, thinking I was done for good because there was no nowhere for me to play anymore, mm-hmm. this airsoft field just sprouts up in Tampa where I'm at. In my head, it just it just clicked. It was like I wasn't supposed to leave the game. Yeah, like it was like this. The game was meant for me. If that makes any sense. Sure. And it it, it feels and to me it makes sense. You know, I move away from it all, six hours away from it all, and then two years later, it pops up right in my backyard. Yeah. CIA is 10 minutes down the road. That's awesome. I don't have to drive anywhere, you know? Well, of course I have to drive, but you you get it. Short, yeah. And then, you know, the next couple months, just fast. It built fast. Chris was Chris, Mikey, and Garrett were busting their ass, and they made it happen. So from April April 1st, like the end of March, to like April, well, no, to May 8th, is when they had their soft opening. So they got a majority of the stuff done to make some sort of a playable field by May 8th. In like a little over a month Damn. span. Right. And it was crazy. And it was good. Yeah. I have footage of the soft opening. We There was one night where they had built the Speaky B course. And 
that is it was all like plywood bunkers and it looked good and we just sat around there for hours and just playing speakeasy i mean they had no experience in speakeasy unlike myself who was a seasoned veteran coming up there and it was you know just a little field day i had pretty fun cuz some of them that played up there they were invited by um some guys a team called TFM they're no longer around they disbanded and um they were like who is this guy blah 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 and then I was like okay you finna find out who this guy is <laughs> <laughs> it was it was nice and you know meeting a lot of people and establishing you know some connections some friendships and the next thing you know, fast forward, we continue to grow. Mikey and Garrett and Chris had reached out to Roy at SpeakUB, I guess during this whole building process, hence why they built the SpeakUB field. Yeah. It's, CIA stands for Competitive Indoor Airsoft. You know, right. what is a competitive indoor airsoft field without a competitive indoor field? You know, like a competition field. Right. And Roy, I guess agreed to host a SpeakUB tournament in Tampa for a grand opening of this, the store. And the grand opening was a success. We had a tournament. I forget when the grand opening was. No, the grand opening was like May 8th. I think May 8th was the grand opening. And somewhere in April was like the soft opening. Yeah. There were many sleepless nights for the guys up at CIA putting sure. that stuff together. They were working, working, working. And, you know, Chris, you know, he's an old old guy, but he's fit. You know, I call him plastic-ass Santa. He looks like <laughs> Tim Allen from Santa Claus. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's ripped. He's healthy. And he was up there ripping like three bangs a day, Damn. like having over a gram of caffeine intake. He was up twenty four, you know, plus hours building that field out, and made it, you know, laid the foundations of what it is today. And that tournament, you know, was allowed to happen because he was able to build it that fast. Yeah. So the tournament went okay. Since nobody knew what they were doing as far as SpeakUB went, I asked some of my guys from Ned to come down and represent the company. I asked Zion. I asked Colin. And Colin brought down his buddy Malin. No. I think. And... um. Anthony played. Dang, I forgot the one of the guys' names that Colin brought down. I think his name was Malin or something like that. But the guy that Colin brought down, he had no airsoft experience. Yeah. At all. He had never None. like played a game in his life. Oh, shit. And Anthony has been playing Milsom for however many years he's been playing Milsom. Right. And He's always outdoors, outside. So this environment was foreign mm. to him. This competitive format was foreign. So you have three seasoned veterans 
two people that had no idea what they were doing and versus everybody else. <laughs> so we run the tournament. We got second place. Nice. It was great, you know. I made some mistakes. Everybody made mistakes. But we, like, had three guys that knew what they were doing and two guys that didn't, and we still got second place. Yeah. If that said anything about Florida's competitive scene. And it kind of laid the groundwork for the idea of building a local team out of our field. Since, you know, two of my guys weren't local, they right. wanted to play the, the next BQB season in Tampa. So I had it arranged to where they, they could, along with some of my, you know, other people from up in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So me, Mikey, and Garrett came together. And we were like, let's make a team out of here, out of Tampa. Great idea. And include, you know, my guys from Georgia. Because they wanted to play one last season. So they allowed them to do that. You know, I thank them for that. So we hosted a tryout. You know, Anthony had to try out. And everybody else that showed up had to try out. Yeah. I was just there, you know, playing with them just to see who I meshed with. Mm-hmm. And Mikey and Garrett were up top watching. Garrett was roughing. Mikey was up in the tower, up in the uh, the skybox. We have the office. This in the in the office we have this room that breaks off into the skybox thing and it's plexiglass, and then you can look out and see the whole speak B field. Gotcha. She was up there and you know had a microphone and he was talking to everybody, telling people to switch back and forth, back and forth. But prior, I kind of had you know people that I was looking at before they even came to tryouts because we've been playing with each other on our CQB field weeks prior. Gotcha. Tryouts happen. We drop two guys. We now have our speed QB team. It wasn't great, but it was something. And I devoted hours and hours and hours and hours on and off the field constructing drills, constructing lesson plans, and coaching and teaching the tryouts that we picked up how to play the game. Yeah. And my thought process was to see how good I am at teaching. How good I am at teaching people how to do something that I actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. We had a first, like our first full month of training, which was like all of July and three weeks into August. So kind of almost two months of training. And our first BQB qualifier was in August. Got my, trained them all up. It was looking solid before the first tournament. But I told everybody we had like a pre-tournament meeting that did like a couple days prior on our allocated practice day. We were like, okay, you guys have learned a lot. You guys have showed me that you want to put in time, hard work, and you are dedicated to this sport from what you have showed me in these past, you know, little over a month. 
I want you guys to focus on getting over the tournament jitters. If you have any, focus on clearing your head the whole time. And have fun, right? Because you play the game and you're supposed to have fun while doing it. What is a tournament? Why why do a tournament if you're not going to have fun playing the tournament? The extra is winning. That's my mindset going in every tournament. The extra is always winning. You go in here to have fun. You show everybody what you're made of. If you don't win, you don't win. If you win, you win. Yeah. And if you don't win, you learn something. Right? For sure. So, my guys from Georgia came to play with me. We play. We wipe through everybody. First place. The guys that I've trained up, they get fourth. First tournament. Great for the first tournament. Yeah. Almost a podium finish first tournament. You know, they had some at the end, towards the end of the tournament, they realized they were getting a little bit antsy, a little bit nervous. I was like, okay, you can fix that. Second tournament, we both placed third and fourth place. Oh, shit. Okay. So we're right here. Yeah. The uh, first and second place was um, a different team. It was the same team as like LSA 1 and 2. So then we had CIA 1, which is our locals, and then 2. Gotcha. Championship. We've had so many more practices after the August event leading up to September event and after the September event leading up to the championship in October. So we've had probably about four or five good months of practice at this point. Hmm. Well, three to four, I guess. So Yeah. Yeah, four or five good months of practice. And these guys were looking promising, right? Dedicated. I got lucky. I like to say that I got lucky because you're going to have some people out in this game that aren't coachable at all and think sure. they know everything. But these guys put everything to the side and were open to learning. Hmm. They did just that. They had a rough beginning during group stage. My, Me and my Georgia boys, we had a flawless group stage. And we ended up getting knocked out first bracket for them. Because we had a buy round. So we got the buy round. So everybody played one in prelims. And it was on a, like semi uh, quarterfinals. We got knocked out. Bunch of drama during that game. Oh shit! Bunch of drama. Jesus. But during the group stage, a little backtrack because it you know if it's it's not really important. But we played SYG. Yeah. In the group stage, we beat them. Damn. So we beat SYG. But the SYG that we beat wasn't like the SYG that's like that everybody knows and loves. Gotcha. It was like um, a couple of the guys that normally play for their main squad and then some like oh. new tryouts. Okay. But you know, SYG carries a big name. Well, it's a sure. big name to beat. Right. So regardless, we still beat them, and it was a great morale booster because we had funneled in some of our um, subs uh, to play against them to okay. to say that they get to play SYG. Because uh-huh. some of my Georgia boys, we've already played SYG before besides me. Everybody else played SYG besides me because when we did, I wasn't there. I was like mm-hmm. fishing or something for a tournament. Beat them. Oh, wow. We beat SYG. Move on. We get knocked out. 
it's up to the guys that I've trained and coached for the yeah. past five months to win it. They beat the team that knocked us out, and that was another controversial game. Oh shit! It was it was crazy. Like they played like eight rounds when you're only supposed to play like three. What? This round? Why did they play so many? All, you know, that's what we're all still trying to figure out to this day. Like penalty, this penalty, that penalty, this penalty, that. Like, oh, do you guys want to run it back? Do you guys not want to run it back? A lot of crying from the other team. Oh shit! You know, my guys are just like, let's just like keep get keep going with this. Like, they were battle hardened. They kept a strong mental guard. They were able to push through all of these extra games that they were playing. All the conditioning that they put in was paying off. The other team was getting tired and tired and tired. They beat that team. Move on to the semifinals. And then... um, No, they move on to the semifinals. They beat that team that knocked us out. Finals... They played a team from Puerto Rico that had like a flawless day. Damn. They had like a flawless day, the team from Puerto Rico did. And then my guys beat them for the championship title. Jeez. First ever season. Yeah. First ever thing. Taught them everything they knew. They went out there and proved to me that they've just listened and learned and implemented everything that I told them to do. They did it perfect. Well, not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Well, they did it and won it. Yeah. Won the belt. Very first Speak B season. I don't know what team that can say that. And that fueled yeah, us. Wild. It's like um, it's like a catalyst to keep going. So we're going to use this right. as a catalyst to propel ourselves into this season. We're going to be playing NSL. We're going to be playing Speak B. And we're going to be playing CSL. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doing all these things within the season. We're going to be traveling. We've gotten a lot of sponsors since then. Now that we have some sort of a a name, if you will, we've created a name for ourselves by winning that title. That title's right. big. There's only five of them per season, per region. Gotcha. So one per region, five per season. Rhode Island, Atlanta... Tampa, um, Sacramento, no, Indiana, and then, yeah, um, zone. no, HTK, not Shot Zone, HTK. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's the one in Indiana that they hosted it at, and then, um, there was one more, I think it was like in that, Arizona or that's something. That's the Speed QB tournament you're talking about, right? Yeah. Where they're at, okay, yeah. And then, winning that. We got like a a SpeakyB and Ace Tech like partnership to where they're they're sending us like a whole thing of tracer BBs for free. Nice. Yeah. It was great, like a shitload of them too. Now this uh, this tournament where um, these guys played had to play eight rounds or whatever. Like, so is that a common thing where uh, if you get penalty penalties or something in a tournament, they'll just say, "Oh, scratch that, start over." And then replay no, the round? this was beyond us. This was never... So who's in charge? When that of. stuff goes on, who, who, is there anyone that's uh, 
Like, who decides that? The ref on the field? The tournament director, Roy, had, you oh. know, the owner, Speaky B. He was the head ref, and, you know, he's the tournament director, oh, okay. so he's he's there, and he's making right, right. sure the tournament going so good. So, obviously, some, he knows what's going on. He knows the rules. He knows, right. yeah, okay, so it wasn't like a, a new ref. It or was a long that, day. Okay. We were way off schedule. Oh, the whole okay. tournament was way off schedule. Gotcha. More games were played than what they needed to during group stage. Like every platy played like two or three more games than what they okay. needed to play. So we had to go back and scratch all that stuff. He was really stressed out about that. Oh yeah. And then um, he just didn't want to like. I don't. I don't know what his thought process was behind it. And I just don't even want to speak for him because I love Roy. Well, he sure. does so much for me and my team. Yeah. I've known Roy for a very long time. Since we met him back in California so not, in 2018, that's not common though. So that's yeah okay. So that's a that was really the first time I've ever heard of it. circumstance or whatever. It was just it a, was okay fluke. Okay, it was a fluke. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I gave a little speech at the end. I was like, this tournament was like full of hardships, and you know, you got to persevere through these hardships in order to you know to, yeah. to do good. And you can't fall apart during times of hardship, you know? Right. There's this one quote that I like, this little video of this guy. He was like, tough times never last. Only tough people last. That's right. And it's like that. And it's kind of like the mentality that I like to instill in all of, you know, my guys that play right. for us. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a hard mentality to beat. You know, you're going to, no matter what, in any, anything you do, there's going to be tough times. And you so just got to. tryouts the first time, you said you kept two and the other guys. Uh, no, we dropped two. Oh, you dropped we dropped two. two and then everybody okay. else. Because okay. it was like, it was like 12, 11 or 12 people that were trying out. Damn. We dropped two of them. We knew majority of the guys that were trying out. Right. Remember that TFM team that I mentioned earlier? Yeah, yeah. Some of their guys were trying out for our team. Oh, uh, okay. Apparently, there was a bunch of drama going on with that team. Sure. A few of their members didn't want to be a part of it, mm-hmm. dropped from the team, and they saw they wanted to be a part of what we had going on. Yeah. Came in there. All, all very malleable people mm-hmm. I saw from the get. Some of them, one of our guys, one of our pickups was Logan. He had a paintball background. I played oh, okay. CQB with him. He's a very solid player. Yeah. He he's six four, six five. He can stand on his tiptoes and just look over the barriers. <laughs> so he's got an advantage when it comes to just staying in the back, staying in he plays snake corner. So he's he's up over the corner just looking around and calling <laughs> out guys. Yeah. He doesn't even have to expose himself in a normal way that everybody else has to. Right. So he has an advantage there. Uh, we picked up Shane, we picked up Steve, then Logan, then Anthony, and then we picked up, uh, who else did we pick up? Dom. Picked so up. That's a pretty good tryout then, if you got uh, that many people right up front. Right. Because mm-hmm. it was new, and we had people, some people that wanted to try it because it was new, and we had some yeah. people that wanted to, that had watched this stuff online and wanted to partake in it gotcha so we well, laid out stuff too is really common 
a uh, lot of people I've talked with for the uh, indoor stuff, mm-hmm. the CQB and SpeedQB stuff, the uh, or you know anyone that play any team that plays tournaments, it's really common what I've heard. You know they're uh, that they leave teams to join another team, you know, or a team breaks up or whatever. I mean, it's, you know, I can imagine those, uh, you know, a lot of the teams are started by younger players. Um, I mean, they don't have a lot of experience in coaching, right? Like when you start a team, you're, you're kind of taking on a coaching role. Uh, and if you don't have the uh, maturity and the, you know, you're, when you deal with human beings and, and all these different personality types, and different uh, levels of expectation, maybe or commitment. Like mm-hmm. how how uh, how committed are these players? Like how bad do they want to play on a team, and how bad? Like how far do they want to go? What's their you know what's their level of? Uh, hey, I want to I want to travel. I want to win these tournaments. I, I'm very competitive. That kind of thing. You know, they're you're not going to get a whole lot of people that, or, you know, you're not going to have a a whole lot of success a hundred percent where everyone is like that. Like you, you exactly. There's different levels of commitment. They're like, man, I've got, like you said earlier, you know, some of your friends, like they've got, you know, they got married, they have a kid, they had, you know, life happens, this happens, whatever. And it kind of just, uh, this was a hobby for them, not really, uh, a sport, you know? And I think when, yeah. But yes, those team things, what you're talking about, that's that's really common. The guy, the uh, podcast that came out this morning, the guy I talked to, uh, disturbing the peace. He's, DTP, uh, yeah, DTP, mm-hmm. Frosty. Um, I know John. One, one of their guys, uh, he who is a prospect right now, Huddy Hudson. Hudson, he's I know yeah, Hudson. Yeah, he's uh, he was telling the same kind of story. You know, he was on a team. He didn't really like. You know, it was a bunch of drama. He wanted to come over. But uh, John was like, "Hey, man, I you gotta quit that team first because I don't want them to get pissed that I'm trying to, you know, gank you from the team, you know, just right. pull you away from the team, whatever." So, yeah, it, it's a. Uh, I can imagine there's um, that kind of drama can come up very quickly and easily with uh, with different people, uh, team, you know, teams starting in the same area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said before, like. With that team that we picked up, you know, there's some other names that I just didn't list. Like Sparky was one of them. He also had a paintball background. We played in a 2v2 tournament together. Before the SpeakyB thing, We I had ideas of who we wanted to pick up and who wanted to do this for real. Yeah. But for the rest of the guys, I was it was a shot in the dark. And I got really lucky. Now, we have, even what we instilled... Team dues, hefty dues, five hundred dollars for our team dues. Mm-hmm. Everybody paid them. Everybody was committed to their craft, and they take this very seriously. Yeah. You know, and I don't even want to. I, I can't take all the credit for you know dealing with you know not even dealing with just training these guys because you know I've had help from Mikey. Mikey helped me a lot when I'm stressed out because it's rough. You know, Garrett helped me out when I'm stressed out. Chris helps me out when I'm stressed out. But it's mostly Mikey and Chris, uh, Mikey and Garrett because they were the ones that were helping me start this whole thing in the first place. Mm-hmm. 
right? It was I was the co-captain, Mikey's the coach, Garrett was the captain. But it it got so it got to the point in the in their business since it's their business right. that they were so caught up in their business, and it's not it's not like they didn't want to be a part of this speed team, which they were. Yeah, but they couldn't be fully committed to where they wanted to pl- they wanted to play at first. And they couldn't because they have to deal with the company. They have, have to, to run, run the store. They right. have to run the business. Mm-hmm. So that's the. But this season, they um, they promoted me to the captain, and I still go and tell everything to Mikey and Garrett, of course. And then Anthony is now appointed like my co-captain or my coaching assistant. Mm-hmm. Just as my second pair of eyes, just to see what's going on, because the hardest thing when I'm coaching and wanting to become a better player myself is yeah. to actually find that time of like focusing on myself and not everybody else. Yeah, when, that's, a, that that's hard. Yeah, that's. I was going to ask you about the coaching role, like when you, you know, when you first started, uh, how you adapted and how you liked it. It sounds like it. it it came pretty natural to you. Like you fit, you fell into that role pretty good. Uh, you, you definitely had the knowledge of, you know, to pass on because you had played for so long, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, what you just said, like trying to find time for yourself to work on yourself, right. To, to practice and to get better and to keep up mm-hmm. is, uh, that's very common as well. You know, uh, tacos, uh, baby goat, right. Right. Adam, um, Adam, you know, I just had a podcast with him. Uh, I think that came out a couple of days. Yeah, it came out last mm-hmm. Wednesday before the um, tournament. Well, when he took over uh, Monk America and, you know, started setting all this up for NSL over here, it was that that's the biggest, that's one of his biggest obstacles he said was, I still love playing and I still want to play. I just don't have as much time to play now because I'm running the business side and exactly. bringing all these terms. Yeah. And it's like, and he's a coach, you know, he's like, he's a, he's appointing people to this and that and setting everything up and making sure the team's good. And, but he still wants to play. He said, that was the hardest thing. It still is one of the hardest things for him to do. And I, that's gotta be a, you know, that's a really common thing when, when players, no matter what sport it is, uh, have to take a step back a little bit of playing because they take a leadership role. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest uh, challenge is, damn it, man, I want to go out there and play. But I've made it to where they're playing with me. Yeah. We're all playing together as, you know, a, a unit and everybody is assigned a job and the drills that I construct. I'm not just sitting there telling everybody, go do this, go do that. My method of teaching is I like to demonstrate. Mm-hmm. And I take those demonstrations as my drilling, and gotcha. of course I'll I'll run repetitions with the rest of the guys. Mm-hmm. But when I demonstrate first, that's when I really is like, okay, this is what I expect that that should happen here. I'm showing them how to do it, and I just tell them to watch how I do it, and I explain every little movement that I'm doing, every why I'm doing it, why I'm aiming here and not there, why my gun's lined up here and it's not over here. And it's been working, and that's kind of how I play during practice because 
as far as other life things and me not being able to play as much as I want to mm-hmm. is that I actually work at the field. I've been okay. working at CIA since it opened as a ref. I'm the head referee gotcha. there. You know, my passion for the game has allowed me to be a really respected ref in my eyes. A lot of people just, you know, I'm a good person up there. I care about everybody. I want everybody to have the best games possible. I'm not just be like, okay, teams, this, this, and that. Let's <laughs> just go to the sides and just hope for the I've best. I've been hearing like, that that's pretty common. It is. And to have refs on the field like that. Like, what? Why are you, why are you doing that? Why are you It was like that at NSL. What I've heard, I was in um, this live stream last night, uh, T.A. Caber. That's T. his T. Instagram. Caber. Yeah, yeah, Caber. I was in his live stream last night, and okay. a lot of people that attended the – um, event and shot zone were saying that they were understaffed for refs oh. and that the refs that they did have, apart from the European guys, weren't involved in the game at all. They were just standing there with their heads in the clouds or their heads staring to the ground. Huh. And just like, and sometimes it, there are points where there were no refs on the field when the game was supposed to be going. Oh, shit. And it's a part of like Caber was saying last night is there's no incentive for people to ref. Everybody wants to get out there and play, and there's no incentive for people to ref. Right. And there's just apparently this thing in the industry where refs are just severely underpaid as far as tournaments go. Because refs end up being like volunteers and stuff. And that's kind of how we had to do it at CIA. We'd had to get volunteer refs where, A, we'd give them incentive by giving them like free passes if they wanted to, if they helped ref for us, Mm -hmm. or they, you know, paid them under the table. You know, however the hourly wage, whatever it was we worked. And for me, like sometimes I'll be scheduled for a day that's on practice. I mean, obviously I work up until the practice point, but I don't get off for another couple hours and then there's no ref. So we're short staffed. This isn't that. Some of that's my fault for not scheduling off beforehand. Mm. Sometimes, you know, it's not, it's not Mikey's job to keep up with my life and what I'm doing. So I have to, you know, do that better, but it's the same. We don't have a lot of refs. We have some people at our field that like to volunteer. And as far as refing goes, it was a problem at SS. Their tournaments, none of the refs care to be there. Every time I talk to a ref, I just want to go home, bro. It's my 15th hour here. Holy shit. And I'm just like, holy hell, man. Bro. It sucks. Well, the problem, I'm going to tell you the problem. The problem is in in this sport, uh, there's no spectators that pay to spectate. So right. every other sport, even high school, high school football, you know, uh, all three of my boys, we have three, uh, my wife and I have three boys, two girls. Uh, all three of my boys played football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and two, my two girls were in dance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even dance competitions at you have to go and pay 12, to 13 years old. You Everyone pays to watch because they have to pay the venue that they're having at or pay, whatever, you know, pay the coaches or the teachers or the whatever, like the high school football. You've got the ticket sales. You've got the uh, concessions. You've got, you know, apparel, uh, you know, swag, whatever, like all that shit. But the spectators pay a big portion of what goes on there. Airsoft there's no spectators. Like if there are spectators, they're not paying to, to watch the game. 
They're they are. Playing, uh, you know what I mean? And I feel like that is a good idea, which I'm probably going to relay to Chris within the next, you know, this weekend when I go up there to work. Because that is a really good idea to just bring in a little bit extra revenue. Yeah. Those spect- like, it should be like a small fee. Right. Like a, a high school football game, I remember paying like, you know, for those smaller games, it was like 10 bucks, And the bigger games, was like 20 bucks, Just to go watch. Yeah. You know, and our, our field admissions is just around that price anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you're paying to play. I mean, granted, our viewing area isn't the greatest. You're susceptible to being shot if you're trying to view oh, our, our tournaments. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a designated spectator area, which we're planning on building hmm. in the future. Yeah. But on the field, you go, you walk out, you're on the CQB field. And then as soon as you see the CQB field, the CQB field is right to your right. And that's where the le- the plexiglass is lined up hockey style. Yeah. So it's like hockey style, plexiglass viewing area. And if you want to watch, you have to stand out on the CQB field where active games are going on. Oh, shit. So you can't just go and watch with like no mask or glasses. You have to oh, wear full shit. face. Oh, okay. Okay. I know. So- I guess that's fairly common, and, and I think because from what I've been finding out, you know, a lot of indoor fields, they they're not they're they're the field owner is focused on setting up the field for the best game possible for the players. No one's really thought of, or I guess talked about, like spectator stuff. Uh, not that I'm had the first idea. I know I I know it's been you know an issue. Right. Or it's been talked about, I'm sure it just because people go there, the the parents go there, this uh, like Hudson, when I was talking to Hudson, he said his dad has to drive him two hours. It's two hours, one way, almost two hours, one way mm-hmm. to the fields. Well, I, I'm i a dad. OK, I had to drive my kids to football practice and shit, you know, here and there. Now, luckily, we live really close to the field or to the school. But I'm imagining if I had to run my kid on Saturday morning two hours somewhere a two-hour drive bro i'm not coming back until he's done okay exactly and that's what he does he doesn't he sits in our lobby his father sits in our lobby until he's done before we went to uh now i don't have a you know experience with the airsoft just spectating basically for the last three and a half years so but i did go to one uh indoor field with these guys and it was the same type of thing the the whole field was the field, you know. Once you walk through those those safety or those, you know out of the safety area, and then anyone that and there was a, a handful of uh, parents that came there that dropped their kids off, they didn't want to drive home, so they sat in, in their car, or and it was kind of cold. I think it was cold out when we went, <clears throat> and um, so they sat in their car because the safety area was or the staging area, whatever, really small, and um, there's really nowhere to sit. Uh, it's not set up for somebody hanging out there, you know, waiting. So they would sit in their car and I'm going like, man, why don't they like have something set up for parents that have to stay there? Like that, I guarantee you a parent would like to go in and watch their kid play, you know, at least some of them and be willing to pay five bucks to sit there and watch them play. They got to sit there anyway for two hours, mm-hmm. you know, for however long they're playing. Uh, 
oh yeah, you want something to drink? Here, you can buy a coffee for a dollar. And you want, you know what I mean? Just like they do in football games, hot chocolate, whatever. Um, it just, uh, but all the other sports spectators pick up the tab for a lot of, you know, these, these, these issues or the, you know, these things that, that, uh, pay for staff. And I feel like, uh, what I'm hearing, what a common thing I've heard is the refs are all volunteers. Most of them, they're volunteers. Majority of them are like, okay, you can, uh, you can come here and play for free, you know, whatever. But when, like you said, sometimes they don't even get to do that because they're short and Hey, the one guy couldn't come in to ref. Can you ref? Like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'll ref. Well, I was going to play for free today, but yeah, I'll ref, you know, like there's, there's really not an incentive for, uh, for people to have, you know, be a good ref out there. And for me, it's all fueled out of passion and wanting to grow the sport. You know, I've and it's not my first time refing at all. Back at All Star, I used to be a ref over there for a short period of time, and then I got fired for literally no reason. Jesus, bro! Yeah, (laughs) no, it was funny because Colin, the guy that I used to play on Ned with, he was my coworker, and he'd be like up in the ref tower just dicking around on his phone the whole time. Right. When when that was my turn to go up there, I'd actually like be a tent like pay attention, like make sure everybody's doing the right thing. And I actually cared when this kid didn't care at all. Then one day I received a phone call. I was like, Yeah, we we just gotta lay you off and I was like, Yeah, that's a load of shit. Oh, uh, okay. But now, like I take a lot of the game modes that we used to play back at All Star and I instill them at our facility. I have a method for picking out teams and balancing them the best that I can by dividing the experienced players and the inexperienced players and kind of dividing the experienced players on both sides. So the amount of experienced players matches the amount of inexperienced players. And sometimes that isn't even enough. Then I just like, okay, that's just their problem. It's not even mine anymore. Right. They're just not the greatest, or they lied saying how experienced they were. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure it's the latter, bro, because yeah. most people aren't going to be like, oh, I'm brand new. I'm a fucking noob, okay? Like, they don't know. Most of our rentals are exactly like that. They're just like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm brand new, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, that is completely fine. Yeah. And there was one day we had these two little kids. They're like my favorite kids that come into the facility now. It was this. One of the older kids, I'm probably like 13 or like less than that, and his little nephew. They're young, young, and short too. And they were the second time playing airsoft, and they had rentals and a mask, yeah. rental mask and gear. And I was like, okay, like you two get separated, or they you can stay together since it's you and your little nephew. And they ended up running around the people that were actually experienced in the game. And I'm just like, Oh shit! I'm, there, I'm hype. I'm in the ref tower, jumping up and down. I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go. <laughs> nice. And then I ended up throwing them on the speed field. Yeah. And I gave them some NSL plays that we've been doing. I was like, oh, okay, nice. you guys want to do this? You like this? So here's what you need to do. Told this little, told the nephew to do this. Told the other kid to do that. Bro, they was doing numbers on the little on the speed field. Really. Running around, there's one of the kids ran all the way around this one guy and like point blanked him in his back. And I was like, Yeah, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm sitting there just jumping up and down, just like out of pure excitement, yeah, hyping him up, just making him feel good that he, you know, was doing that. 
at this, you know, at the skill level. He's he's brand new to the stuff, brand right. new to the game, and he's he's the natural. And I'm just like, oh, oh my gosh. Cool. So he's just trying to instill like this thing in his back of his head subconsciously that he's like, I want to come back. I want to do more stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And eventually, he did come back. He did come back. He did play some more advanced individuals. He's like he come up to me. He goes, dude, I'm getting shot up a lot more this time. I was like, that will happen. You're playing some better people this time. Right. You got to keep pushing through it and figuring out how not to get shot all the time. Yeah, you did. can't use the same strategy that you used exactly. last time because, you know, you're playing different people. So Exactly. Well, you know what I thought was cool is, you know, I'm talking to Hudson. You know, he's 13 and mm-hmm. uh, and he's he seems really mature for, for 13, like the way he was talking about it. He, he has he, matured bro, when we like, first met him. He's like – uh talking long-term, you know, he's like, you know, by the time I want to keep playing, like right now, he said, right now I'm just practicing, you know, I'm, I'm trying my hardest. I'm, you know, but it's, for me, it's just practice because I'm young. I'm going to get better. Uh, by the Mm -hmm. time I'm like 18 or 19 or whatever, I'm going to be, you know, this good. And, and uh, like, I was like, okay, wow. That's pretty wild, man. 13 year olds don't typically talk, five years from now you know what i'm talking about that is true yeah and i you know i respect hudson a lot for actually showing that kind of level of maturity because when we first met him it was your typical young kid you know no filter all that stuff but that's good things that i'm hearing from him and it's showing me you know from when i met him months and months ago that he's actually growing up way faster mentally than majority but as far as on the topic of, you know, 13-year-old airsoft players, we have one on our team that ended up that I trained. Yeah. And he was the one on the team that won the regional championship. Oh, shit. His name is Mason. He's a high, he's a pistol player. Yeah. He's, you know, he's growing, growing fast now. Like, holy cow. <laughs> he's reaching, he's getting a little, he's, he just sprout, he's sprouting up a little bit. Yeah, but um, he is short, and he's fast, and he's agile. Very athletic kid. Right. Same maturity. Thinking long term. Loves the sport. You know, and I view the kid as a little brother to me. You know, having that little brother figure. Right. You know, I'm a little bit harder on him than anybody else because I want to see him grow the most. Right. Well, he's he's willing he's willing to take it and and learn. He is right. And uh, some of our guys are a little bit harsh on him, and you know I have to yell at them. You're like, no, stop. That's that's not your job. That's my job. You know, because he's a 13 year old at the end of the day, and sometimes he's playing with our oldest guy on our team is 50. Yeah. Steve is a badass 50 year old. He is athletic, in shape. And he's got his own little mojo going on. We give him a back brace because he's 50, and he needs it sometimes. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he's 50 years old, you know? Yeah, no shit. Right? Killing the game. Yeah. And I love it. He's That's cool. He's got that passion. And, you know, well, we, yeah. our team is full of different age groups. And just That's to see. That's kind of cool. Like, yeah, the eight, you know, this is the only sport. You know, I, I'm not saying this. Uh, this isn't my idea. I've heard this uh, from people I've talked with, but it's the only sport where all these different age groups play together on the field, right? Mm-hmm. They all play together. 
whether it's competitive, you know, tournament stuff like serious, uh, or just, you know, whatever, open play, just have fun kind of stuff, you know, or birthday party games or whatever, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, somebody has a birthday party at the field. Okay. There's six of them that show up. Well, they're not playing just together. Sometimes they will, but they're playing in the mix with a bunch of other people, you know, sometimes to, if it's a good, you know, a mix up that day. And so you might be, you know, 13 and 14 year olds will be playing with 25 year olds. Uh, very, very common. And so it's the only sport that that happens in uh, where you play competitive and you're playing, <laughs> you know, 17 year old, like uh, Cujo. Uh, I talked to him, I had him on a podcast a while ago. He's, he's seems pretty, I've seen his videos. He seems pretty badass. Other people I've talked with said he's, you know, very good. And uh, he's playing against, you know, he's been playing for a while. He's playing against guys in 40s, 50s, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just a huge mix, you know. And yep. what's cool, too, is like the coaching thing. So you're you're officially kind of coaching, right, and helping, helping people uh, funnel them into that competitive play or whatever. Right. But this community – seems like a lot of people take that role you know the the 25 year olds the 30 year olds they kind of help the new player a little bit you know just a little like hey i'll help you out you know your gun broke here you know here you can do this here you can use that kind of give them tips here and there not really coaching coaching but they're that mentality of hey i'm going to help you out until you get on your feet kind of thing you know right and I that mentality is works for some, but and for me, I want my vision with like the whole team was like I wanted to breed like leaders in my group. Yeah. For growth, I want to be able to teach this material and this knowledge, give it to these guys, and have them preach it to other people. Gotcha. Because that's how you grow this stuff. Mm-hmm. Is you give the information to somebody and they pass it on, and then that person passes it on, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. And in this, in this, the state of Florida, the sport is just started. We had our first season last year in Tampa, yeah. Florida BQB, Florida Competitive Airsoft in general. It did not exist. Really? The only thing we had down here was Milsim. That's yeah, it. That's, I the know. The state of Florida teams is known Florida. for. Paintball, competitive paintball, oh, orbital okay. paintball, Tiki's paintball, Clearwater paintball. A lot of these really? paintball places out here. We don't have indoor airsoft. We have competitive oh, indoor real. airsoft Tampa. Okay. We have Battalion Airsoft Arena. Now we have Legion Airsoft Academy. And then we have this other field on uh, West Palm Beach. I don't. Mm-hmm. I forgot the name of the field. But as far as, you know, competitions and, like, big competitions, you know, your yeah. local competition, I'm not counting this. Like, it did not happen until we popped up on the map and made it what? happen. That's so wild. I don't. I guess I'm – Exactly. Because I've talked to so many people from – and met so many people uh, from Florida. You know, Tonka. I think these are all mill simmers, though. These are all mill simmers. My boys, mm-hmm. my two sons that started playing their friend, they uh, – they like mil sims. They like mm-hmm. the full on, you know, three day mil sims and shit. You know, like right. third coast airsoft. 
and um, up here at GTI or down here in, at GTI, and uh, and so they've they've gone to a bunch of mill sims, and I've gone to a couple of them with them. But the guys I've talked to in Florida and met, they're all mill simmers, and uh, so I guess I never really. I just assumed because the state is so big and I've, I've already, I've already followed a bunch of people from Florida that mm-hmm. the speed soft team, you know, teams or whatever were kind of prevalent down there. Yeah. I had no clue that Not this was at all. Uh, that's so wild, bro. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's why you were saying I earlier, really when, it, when it popped up close to you, you were like, holy crap, this is a, a sign almost. Right. Okay. Because it was brand new mm, to okay. the state of Florida, unheard of. That's why competitive airsoft was down yeah. here. Uh, I believe that you know battalion was around for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, and battalion they had their fair share of speed soft tournaments, and their mm-hmm. home team there is LSA, which now drives over to us to play at our events and to play in our field. Because our field is way better than theirs. And apparently the owner does not advocate for any of this stuff. Mm. Like Roy and the SYG guys have offered to come and play at Battalion before. Yeah. And he was like, fuck no. We don't want you here type is shit. It a, I was like, whoa. Is it an old school uh, paintball field, I wonder? Battalion? Was it? Yeah, was it a paintball field before? I've never played and I don't oh. know. It was. Okay. It's all an indoor facility. It's a giant warehouse. Mm. I think of the Battalion Airsoft Arena. So I guess it was never a paintball place to begin with. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. I think it's always it's airsoft. Weird. It's weird that and a, a field owner wouldn't be open to. Hey, mm-hmm. how about growing your business? Like, what? <laughs> what I don't doing? know, man. That's so weird. Some people are just different. Well, you know, you know what's crazy is now that I'm realizing the scope, like the. The vol- like what the magnitude I guess of what's going on with the CIA. So it opened up not even what not even a year ago. Nope. Okay. You've already had a speed QB or yeah, an actual speed QB tournament there. And we had a whole and speed QB season. Season and whole season. Now NSL. And CSL. Bro. That's insane. We're trying to make moves out here, and we're trying the best we can to get all like the most media coverage that we can. Right. We're trying. I made it like one of my New Year's resolutions this year was to become like some sort of like make a name for myself in this yeah. sport. And to do that, I have to make content and I have to post stuff and get it out there. Sure. And one way that I want to do that, and what's on you know my to do list in the next couple weeks, is to start this movement in the state of Florida that could probably hopefully grow all the way up the East coast and, you know, right. Midwest all the way to the West coast to where we can all unite as one uh-huh. is to where we can grow this competitive scene. So it's available like everywhere. Yeah. So, because I, it came to my mind when I hosted like kind of like a low key C tier event for NSL at our facility We've advertised it a month in advance. Last month, beginning of January, we were like, hey, we are going to host an NSL scrimmage day Mm. at our field this time. Here's the date. Here's the price if you want to sign up for teams. 
Solo entry is the same as regular entry. Just show up. It's going to be a fun day. We're going to learn together. We're going to teach some stuff. Come out and just have fun and show yourself. Two teams showed up. It was my team. We have twelve. Got we had eleven guys. We have twelve guys total, but eleven of our guys were able to come. And then it was just two other teams. But we still made it work. And one of the teams was SPD, and the other team was a brand new team called HBA. If you say it fast, it sounds like HPA, but it's oh, H B is in Bravo. A. It's right. an alpha. So, brand new teams, new to the NSL format. So, we, my guys taught them the format. And we played NSL-style games. And it was fun. But it got to the point where we were so, we have practiced all this time for NSL since, you know, we had like a couple week break during the holidays because we were all gone. Well, I was gone. Some other people were doing vacation stuff with their family and holidays, New Year's Day. So one of their practices, New Year's practice, wasn't mandatory. So we've been practicing ever since the season ended after the weekend after we won the belt. We started practice again, but we started practicing for NSL this time. Such the gears, made everybody read the rules. So now we practice up to this point to where we can teach the rules to these new yeah. people. And I want to get it to where we have these kinds of events once a month at our facility mm-hmm. to where it's just pickup games for people with a competitive mindset that want to come in here, and want to train, want to okay. do all that stuff, want to work on their craft, and there's no repercussions for trying new things. Right. That's how you get better. You try stuff. You live. If they don't work, they don't work. You don't do them anymore. If you find stuff that works, you got to keep doing stuff that works. And then you just repeat the process. Right. And it's all a part of this movement that I want to start, and I haven't come up with a name for it yet. And I'm just going to like to start posting YouTube videos, posting Instagram videos to start the growth process. Yeah. Start small, got to start somewhere, and you got to get big. You know, you begin unknown, you finish unforgettable. <laughs> for sure. That's kind of what I want to do for that. And pro, you know, that sounds cool, man. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, well, the thing is, this is the right time to do it. So, no matter who I've talked with, no matter where they're at, I've talked to people literally around the world, and from mill simmers to outdoor players to speed soft, you know, players, um, it is uh, everyone I've talked with. This sport has grown a ton in the last two years coming out of lockdowns and uh, I mean, people watching all those videos, you know, a lot of the YouTubers were, (laughs) you know, kicking Mustang had the, uh, uh, he was just on, um, uh, our monthly podcast that came out yesterday. And, uh, I said, were you, do you have the most, uh, subs for airsoft? He's like, no, no, no. I, I had the most views. I was like, Oh, okay. He had a half a billion views last year on his channel. So 500 million. 500 million views on his channel, on Kicking Mustang's channel. Now, he's only got, only, <laughs> only got 2 million subs. Uh, only? Yeah, only. But I only say that, I say that because uh, 
Navrich and Silo, I think have, you know, have some more, have more subs, but he had right. those views and I was like, Oh, okay. But you know, he, he made this, he was like, um, he told a statistic. It was like one eighth of the male population on planet earth watched his videos last year is what the numbers worked out to be. So a lot of these guys during lockdown, they're like, they, uh, okay, we can go out, we can do stuff now. Things are open. What am I doing? Right. Dude, I wa- Did you watch this airsoft video? Like what's airsoft? Bro, come here. Let me, you know, check it out. And it check just, it out. Right. Uh, this is the right time to do whatever you're doing, what you're, what you're talking about with this coaching stuff and this spreading the word and posting this stuff. Uh, and you're in the right place, apparently in the perfect place right now with a field that grows that fast. That's having the, you know, it's hosting these kind of tournaments and stuff. And, uh, I, man, when I watched the, uh, some of the tournament, uh, NSL tournament over the weekend, I was really excited, man, because, uh, and I know, you know, it's the first one over here. I'm sure there's going to be some, you know, it's it's a learning curve, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I was really excited because I'm going, man, this is, this is exactly what I've been asking about, uh, six months ago i'm asking some of these speed softers like do you guys have a, a a national tournament where all these different teams can go and who's the best like what is the ranking system who's and they're like uh kind of not really like we have west coast stuff and with east coast, east coast stuff know, like right. regional there's yeah. a division yeah it's a division and and it's it and the common thing is or the common issue that i'm hearing is you know the sport doesn't make enough money to pay for players to travel from state to state to play tournaments. Right. Okay. Everyone's got to foot their own bill. Well, exactly. you've got a, a lot of a, most teams are made up. Speedsoft teams are made up of seventeen to maybe even younger, young to twenty-five year olds who are just out of college or they're you know what I'm saying like they're not really established financially and they're still trying to get you know, get on their feet that way and get, and get some stuff built up. And, and of course, building your own airsoft shit, uh, is, is not cheap. Yeah. No. Yeah. Bro. I'm like, when people are telling me this stuff, these Milsim guys are like, yeah, I got a umbrella armory gun. It was a two grand and I'm going, what, what, you know? So there's a, so you're dropping money on that. There's no spectators to support, you know, they're paying for watching the game for, for, concessions for apparel for all this kind of stuff like the only money coming from or uh sponsorships or whatever is like companies like hk army uh mm-hmm. who sponsor you know big sponsor for uh nsl NSL sponsor um, yeah dude like it's also one of our sponsors that, by the way is it okay cool mm-hmm. yeah you got what do you get what do you have you, like who could be a sponsor i mean anyone can be but who could put really put some money in? Like some of the big retailers could, right? Yes. Like Airsoft GI. I don't think that they're in it yet. Uh, I haven't seen any of their names on the SpeedQB stuff or SpeedSoft stuff. So, and I, I feel like you know there there's companies out there that could probably uh, get their name out there right. with uh, with helping this stuff. But yeah. It's definitely um, lacking in that area right now, and I think that's what's holding the uh, the growth back for teams to travel 100%. and play these tournaments and getting good refs, like we talked about earlier. 
Like that's right. that's one of the big things when you have these tournaments. Uh, one of the guys when I first talked to uh, Houdini, you know HSA. Yep, <clears throat> he said Met him. Yeah, I talked to him, and uh, like two weeks after I had him on the podcast, this is like months and months ago. Uh, he posted a video of one of his guys um, at an actual. I think it, I don't know if it was a CSL tournament. I, can't, it, I don't think it was. I don't want to misspeak on that, but it was it was a tournament play for mm-hmm. points, and it was it ended up being you know it was the last two guys on the field, so it ended up being a one v one kind of. Yeah. And the uh, the guy ran around like you're talking about. He ran around and he shot the guy in the back of the head. Okay. Okay. The guy didn't see him. The ref took him and and took 25 points away from HSA's team because of shooting in the, in the back of the head. And that was in our field. And it was on video. That was our field. No shit. It was at our field. And okay. The way okay, so here's the refs that we had at that field were brand new. Okay. They didn't know the volunteer refs. Like we yeah. were talking about earlier, yeah. that incentive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't have refs that we were lacking the refs that knew what was right 100% yeah. of the time and knew it was wrong 100% of the time. That call was a bad call. Now, refs make bad calls all the time, no matter what sport you play. Sure. But sometimes. Stuff like that, you're going to see in a sport that we're playing. Anyways, so the ref that made the call, he works for us now. You know, he learned that it was just, it's a normal part of the game. It's not no malicious intent. Yeah. You know, you run up around a barrier, we're going to shoot a few yeah. times, no right. matter what. Whatever body part is in front of my barrel, that's it. When I'm when I'm up, it's you're getting shot. I'm not wasting any time. No, I tell all my boys that over overshooting counts when that that hand goes in the air and you're shooting past. There you go. Right, because that's when it starts to be malicious. Right, that's when you're actually intending to cause a little bit of harm Mm -hmm. to get in the other team's head, which is not okay. Right, I know who did it. I know who the ref was. And I know the team that he did it on. He had no, there was no reasoning behind the shot. It was just, he's there. He plays like that anyways. If he gets up on somebody, he's going to take that shot. I play like that in regular games. Right. I play that in CQB. If I run around the whole team, if I get a sweep, I'm going to run up on you, creep up on you, and put one in the back of your head. If you allow me to do that, you need to get better at the game, rethink your life choices. That's just how I play. <laughs> You know, but in a tournament, (laughs) like I said, the ref was new to the environment. The ref was new to speak. You beat. Okay. Volunteer ref. Right. You know, afterwards he became like an actual paid ref. So they, yeah, these tournaments, see, that's a, yeah, it's a bad call. Uh, And and Houdini wasn't, when I talked to him about it, uh, he wasn't like, I mean, time had passed, you know, it wasn't, uh, he wasn't pissed. He wasn't pissed. It was, uh, but I was, I made the comment on there, like, so in a tournament play, like where, where it's for points like that, that really shouldn't happen. Like the, uh, it should have, yeah, the refs need to know, 
Like if what's you're right and what's wrong. At least at least if you don't know, like hey, um, hang on a second, just pause the game, whatever. Let me go find out. Um, okay, nope, everything's fine. We're not going to take the points away or whatever. You know, like so. Yeah, I, but definitely that. So that's definitely an issue uh, mm-hmm. with having well trained ref. You know, uh, CSL uh, Keegan. He's um, he hosts a ref clinic i've heard yes like you train you train the refs yeah to do the right thing right i want to i really want to talk to uh somebody that's gone through that training because i want to see or at least maybe i'll hit keegan up and see what kind of uh if he has any videos of what it's about uh you know how it's run kind of thing because that if it's set up really well and people like yourself who is teaching broadcast broadcast everywhere bro like, the, hey, here's a standard, you know, format that everyone can follow. Here's some real good basics. Uh, in fact, speaking of that, uh, you know a lot about it. You've ref, you're head ref, you teach this, okay? What um, if, uh, if somebody um, – I have another podcast in uh, 25 minutes, so – uh, Okay. But I want to get some, I want to get some uh, insight from you because you have a lot of experience and, uh, and you've got – you know, this, this field you're, you're teaching at, um, if somebody is starting out and they like playing, but they wouldn't mind refing right here and there helping out, even if it's volunteer or whatever, but they want to learn how to ref. Uh, what would you, what are some basics? Like, okay. Uh, how Actually, to, do this. where to look, like what right. to look for kind of shit. There's a guy that actually plays that just got picked up by DTP, John, the, head coach for DTP. His name is Kenny. Great guy. He refs for us as a volunteer sometimes. I am up in this ref tower. I'm stationary. Kenny likes to walk around. So I'm like, Kenny, here's he knows the rules. So that's the first thing. Know the rules of your field. If you don't know the rules, then you can't make any calls. Now, what's the what's the basic rules that? So that, the basic uh, rules that we're looking for, and he's looking the important ones. I mean, calling your hits basically, right? You know, just looking for balances. Sometimes people won't feel it. If he sees a hit, hey, you were hit here, here, you were hit here. Just go take a respawn, right? If you get hit, sometimes you won't feel it. So I tell him, just right. be nice. Be like, look, you just got hit. I saw you got hit. Just take the respawn, and they'll be like, okay. Second rule is we have little sweep lines. Because the way our field is designed is we have – there's like choke points on the field to where if one team is around that choke point, then the other team can't advance down the field anymore. So if you find yourself at that choke point, you have to perform the sweep through it, right? If you perform the sweep, then you're chilling. But if you sit there, we call it like spawn trapping or whatnot. So if you uh, see somebody doing that, just either tell them you nudge them through or you tell them to push back and attack from a different area. Gotcha. It's nothing. You know, making sure people are um, using Sidemay the whole time. Normally, I can hear that, but just if somebody's using full auto and they catch them, you know, if it's an accident, it's an accident. That's when you have to discern whether it is an accident or not an accident. That's just a whole other ball game, but it's pretty easy to decide when it when it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is just be observant. Of everything that's going on. Make sure everybody 
is not blind firing, make sure everybody's shooting the right way as far as like keeping the gun on their shoulder or just like not starting arguments. Very basic stuff. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it is not hard when you know the rules. I only tell him to look for very little things. And since he plays at that field and has the experience, he knows what to look for. And that's what it comes just getting a little bit of experience before you dip your hand into the refing portion yeah. is learning what the games are like, learning what can happen, learning how to deal with that. And one big thing that I almost forgot to mention is that if you don't see something happen, you cannot make the call. If somebody's complaining to you that somebody got hit and you didn't see it, yeah. you can't be like, okay, that guy got hit. That's, I don't know. That's that's just yeah, not a. So how do you, you, do how do you handle like that. that? How do you handle I, that? This is how I handle that. Yeah. I when somebody comes up to me and be like, "This person is not calling their hit," or "This person's doing this, this, and that." When I don't see it, I'd be like, "Okay, point him out at the end of the game." He points him out. I see the guy that they're talking about doing just fine in front of me. They're just doing just fine. The guy they pointed out, like, "Okay," I go up to them after the game. But look, I was like, "I've been told, you know." I've been told that you've been doing this, this, and that. Just know I haven't seen it, so I can't make anything. So just know that, you know, I got, you know, another guy walking around here. I'm going to tell him exactly what, you know, he should be looking for. At this given time, if you're not calling your hits, he's going to be checking you a little bit. He's going to be following you around a little bit more to make sure you are calling your hits. If you're, you know, starting arguments, like a lot of people will tell people to, be like, oh my gosh, I hit you, and like start arguments for some reason. If he's doing that, I say if you're starting an argument with somebody, and that person chooses to argue back, you're both going to sit out. Stuff like that. Yeah. To make sure that, you know, everybody is, like, I'm just trying to maximize the amount of, like, stuff that shouldn't happen. Right. Arguing shouldn't happen. It's a game. We're all out here to have fun. And I tell them, and normally it never happens again. I never hear it about again. As soon as I tell them that first time, if I don't see it, yeah, it never happens again. Sometimes I'll have to kick people off the field. Shooting before the game starts is one of the biggest rules that I have when I'm on the field. And it's a safety rule because I only have you know, regular shooting glasses on. Yeah. Everybody else has full face and my teeth are at risk because when I'm up there, I have to protect my voice. I can't do that with a dye mask on. Gotcha. So I'm telling you, you go out here, you tell, you come up to me if you have to shoot your gun to test fire. If you shoot without my permission, I'm sitting you out. Uh, Nobody okay. shoots. If they have to shoot, go in the speaker be field. 100% of the time, I tell them, 100% of the time, if you ask me, I will let you do it. So, that, shoot, so what you're yeah. saying is, I'm trying to, you know, so what you're saying is when you're out there with both teams or whoever's out there, like on the field, like out of the safety zone, right? Like you're mm-hmm. on the field in the playable area and mm-hmm. you're, uh, you're explaining rules and you're talking about, Hey, like you're prepping everyone for the game start. Right. And then people will just like test their gun while they're standing there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. People will just shoot randomly and just like, <laughs> sometimes they'll just like full auto just because they can like full so auto you're, to you're, the corner or whatnot. You're teaching them a uh, trigger discipline and shit. Okay, exactly. And that's the yeah. first, that's the, like, I'm just like, <laughs> That's a great thing. That's a, I tell them. I'm like, trigger discipline. 
And same yeah. people are like, yeah, like some of the more experienced guys are like, yeah, guys, you need to stop doing this. Like it's it can be dangerous because some people will walk onto our field with no iPro on. What? Just wander around. It only happened oh. a handful of times. Okay. Just walk around like, oh, because they don't know a live game going on yet when the game system's not on, when it's not oh, running. Shit. Okay. Or like when one of our managers, like Mikey, Chris, or Garrett have to walk on the field sometimes. They'll forget their glasses when there's no game running on, and they'll have yeah. to grab inventory from the back. They don't have to do that anymore, thankfully, because we keep all our inventory in the front of the store now instead of on the field in the little um, storage unit mm-hmm. that we had. Gotcha. So now that's not a problem, but the principle still remains the same. Yeah. You know, you tell somebody to do it, if they do it, if you see them do it, you get them out of there. But if you don't see them do it, then you can only assume so much. Because yeah. when I'm off the field and some people are shooting, I'll go up there, I'll go out there and be like, look, who shot? And then somebody raise their hand. It's like, you do that one more time since I'm not out here? Like, well, if they admit it to it, I'm going to kick them out. But if, like, if you're not going to admit to it, don't do it again, or I'm going to sit you out. Yeah, it's, it's that plain and simple. Well, those are good tips, man, for uh, for somebody that's, you know, well, not just for refs, but for players as well. And then, uh, so what would you recommend for young players uh, or new players that want to, you know, we're talking about earlier, we're, we're talking about this, uh, all these tournaments popping up. There's a lot good more question. attraction to speed soft, right? You're going to get a lot more players. Mm-hmm. What's a good recommendation for uh, for drills? What can they practice? Uh, guns, starting guns, Great gear. Question. Okay. Really fast. Yep. Because you've got a podcast soon. If you, for the people that want to start playing this game and have no sense of direction whatsoever, the first thing you should do is just start talking to people at your local field that you're close with, and ask them if they're interested in starting a team. Say you talk to four other people. Now you got a five-man squad that you're all familiar with each other. You like to play the game. After that, don't even worry about a name just yet. What What are your play styles like? What do you like to run? Some people are – everybody's different as far as their play style goes. Right. Some people like to go up real fast. Some people like to take it easy. Some people like to be really smart with it. And you have to develop – the stuff that you like your kit like your loadouts based on your own play style Mm. my loadout i run my polar star i don't have a euro grip i don't like the euro grips whatsoever i see a lot of euro grips in this tournament industry right now a lot of the tournament builds are euro platform paintball Mm. style grip oh right right paintball style grip we got the tank to the shoulder yep i can't play like that gotcha i can't i i can't get a target focus like, like I can't get – my yeah. shot is off when I'm doing that. I have to okay. have a traditional stock. I built my Polar Star to how I like to play the game and how I'm comfortable. You have to be comfortable on the field at all times. Yeah. The more comfortable you are, the, the less you're worried about being comfortable since you're comfortable. Yeah. You built your kit, right? You got a belt. You got some mags. You got a backpack or you got your Euro grip or whatever. Got some good shoes on. Good shoes are very important when you're playing a game. Got I have to get some new ones. They're what, too small on me. What's a good recommendation for indoor? Basketball shoes are great. Basketball okay. shoes or flat foot. I see a lot of people using like Nike blazers. My blazers, I really like my blazers, so I don't play in them at all. Nike blazers are one. I wore Kobe's for the five years I've been playing. Still wear them. 
They're nice. begging to be retired. <laughs> uh, but any basketball shoe in general, Vans I've seen work pretty yep. good. Just anything with good ankle support, like high top Vans, not low top Vans. You got no gotcha. ankle support on that, because okay. you know rolling your ankle is very is a very possible thing to do yep. in this game. Mm-hmm, you know, after you've got your kit, your loadout, you're comfortable in the field. Drills, basic drills, target acquisition. As far as you know, you see the barrier. I mean, you. Being able to snap onto your target quickly and accurately. Uh, snapshots. Snapshots in this game are big. The better you can snapshot, the more chances you have at you know winning the engagement. Um, movement drills are big. I teach a lot of movement drills, and you know, as a coach, I'm always learning how to coach better. Mm-hmm. Recently, I learned I was teaching everybody to do what I did. And uh, do what I did strictly. Gotcha. But do what I do, but change what I do to fit your body type. Mm-hmm. To fit like what's more you know, suitable for you right. and what you can do the most smoothly. You know, break out drills. Figure out where each of you want to go on the field. Coordination. Get your call outs right. Assign names to different barriers. Try to be original to throw off other people. Gotcha. You know, assign just, you know, basic little assignment things. You're going to go here. You're going to do this. You're going to go there. You're going to do that. The job principle, everybody's got a job. If they do the job right, everybody can work as one, yeah. but be together at the same time. Right. So little things like that you can look at. And like lastly – um, just chemistry. You got to find a group of guys that you really enjoy playing the game with. Yeah. And once you play the game with somebody for a long time, you start to figure out how they play. Because everybody plays a certain way. And once you find out, you know, you figure out however everybody in your team plays, you can basically do stuff together in unison without talking to each other. Right. Because that's just the chemistry, the flow of the game, it works. That's what happens on Ned. When I was playing with Ned, our chemistry was like that because we've all known each other for, you know, half half a year, almost half a year before well, not half a year, but like half a decade before even playing together in a team. Right. We all know who each other played. We all knew each other outside of the game and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, team and, cohesion you know, is, yeah, is important. It's great. Yeah. It's very important. And one thing you do that that our team is starting to do is just to hang out outside the sport. You know, if you're old enough, go go to the bar. You know, go bowling. Go go camping. Go fishing. Yeah. You know, I like to fish. Okay. You know, go outside. You know, go do something <laughs> together. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Being on a team, like the better teams are more than just a team; they're family. You know, right. if you want to be a good team in general, you have to be family. You have to consider each other family. Yep. You know, and that's. Yeah, you can't not pretty talk much to somebody at all for the whole week and then just see them, you know, and only converse with them or interact with them on Saturdays when you practice. Like that, exactly. that is not going to you – know, if you do that, um, your your team is never going to be a real, you know, an, an actual team. It's only going to be a team in name that only. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be, um, you know, where you guys are – you have that chemistry and you can just play without – 
everyone knows their job and they do their job on the field and they can adapt to what the other team's doing, you know, uh, without having to talk with each other. And yeah, that's a, that's always fun to see too. When a team comes together, it's fun to watch. Oh, it's great. And I, I want to continue to watch more and more teams form and start to grow with one another. Yeah. SPD is one of them. Um, you know, they're still around and they've been playing kind of since the beginning of when our team started playing. Gotcha. Well, what's the, uh, what's the name of your team now? You guys, you so our team, team, we just rebranded from CIA to obey airsoft coalition. Right. You know, our Instagram, our team Instagram handle is obey airsoft. And, um, we are, you know, getting all of our new stuff, new jerseys. We sent our mast off to Rogue Customs. We're getting those back probably the end of this oh, week or really? beginning of next week. Yeah, Rogue Customs is one of our sponsors. Oh shit! Shout out Rogue. I yeah. had him on the podcast. We had a really good time. Really? Talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's doing all dude. of our masks right now. Hell yeah! And they're looking pretty sick. Got a new design, like new teeth design that is that you can put on it. Your mask called Tampa Hyper Beast. Oh shit! New okay. teeth design that we have. Our masks are gonna look pretty, pretty sick. I'm pretty excited to see how they're gonna turn out. Yeah. I don't know what to expect. Um. But yeah. Um. Awesome. And where can people? I'm excited find for you? this new season. I'm excited. Where can people find you at? People can find me on Instagram and YouTube. At Speedsoft Luke, so Speedsoft, and then my name, Luke. I made that name in 2014 when I first started YouTube. Nice. And I just stuck with it. Kept it simple. It just sounded right because yeah. everybody had like a speed. Like at that time, it was like Speedsoft something, Speedsoft something. Then mine gotcha. was Speedsoft my name. Yeah. And it was you great. Can't, you can't know? go wrong with that. With yeah. <laughs> I stuck with it. I can't change it now. I'd... Oh no. I'm I'm too far in this game to to change it. Right. And I feel exactly. like, you know, it's I just want to, you know, continue to advocate for the growth of the sport and continue to see it grow and just be there every step of the way. Awesome, man. Luke, thank you so much, man. It was uh, it was really fun. Really insightful, man. I I learned a lot uh about the speed soft I'm stuff glad. and yeah, dude. I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you for having me on, man. You know, Absolutely. we should do this again for real. I had a really good time. Yeah, good. Yeah, I would like, you know, you guys, uh, especially a lot of the Speedsoft players, I would love to uh, have you guys on, like, your whole team, you know? Yeah, collectively. Yeah, right. We can have, you know, like our group, uh, the group when we do it monthly, we have six people on there. Um, you can have a ton of people on these Discord calls. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, a team, have a handful of you guys team or whatever on again in a in a couple months after you've played uh some some of these tournaments NFL. you know yeah, yeah and then dude. we can just talk more about them and the experiences that we had during right. these tournaments you know what we've learned what we know what not to do mm -hmm. what we've seen you yeah. know at these different venues because we are going to travel up north to rhode island so now we're going to be talking about our cia yeah. event as well as the rhode island event that we're going to in march right or in april whenever yeah march march okay 
Nice. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you. Have a good night. Well, thank you. You as well. All right, Let's brother. Let's talk soon. All right. Good night. Bye-bye.